Thank you, Brother Terry. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. We want to look at Matthew 27. I failed to mention a few minutes ago in the prayer request, let me go ahead and make an announcement uh, in regards to uh, Sandra Davis Memorial. There'll be a memorial service for Sandra Davis next Sunday uh, afternoon from 2 to 3 at Phil Campbell First Baptist Church. Visitation with the family will begin at 2, and uh, the memorial service will be at 3 p.m at 3 p.m. And so if you would please uh, remember her family in prayer and if you would like to go by and visit with the family next Sunday afternoon, visitation will be at 2, the uh, memorial service will be at 3 at First Baptist Church, Phil Campbell. No doubt Matthew 27 is a familiar passage describes the events that are leading up to the death of Jesus. But today we want to focus on verses 11 through 26 for just a simple reason that in this text there's a question that's asked. And the question is not just a question, but a question that demands an answer. A question that's asked a question that demands an answer. You see, Pilate was faced with a decision of what he would do with Jesus. And the point is that every person today must decide what to do with this person who is called Christ. Each person is responsible for the decision that they make. And so today, I want us to listen to God's word as he speaks to us about this universal decision found in verse 11 and following. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priest and the elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witnessed against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a, a notable prisoner called Barabbas, Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Verse 19. And when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. 
The governor answered and said unto them, Whether the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water, and he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just man. See you to it. And then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall, and they gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. Now, as we think about the background of those verses, Jesus had already been betrayed by Judas. Jesus had been arrested in the garden. He'd stood before Caiaphas, the high priest, to be judged by the Jews. And now he's in this place called the Praetorium. Years ago, I had an opportunity to go to the Praetorium. It still exists. You go downstairs in Pilate's hall there, and there was a cobblestone floor, same floor, where Jesus stood before Pilate. It's an amazing place to be. So he's standing there before the governor and the praetorium. Now, the praetorium also served as a place. It was a barracks for the Roman soldiers, but it was also the living quarters for the governor. So you had the soldiers below, and you had the living quarters above for the governor. So Pilate was governor. He, he wasn't liked by the Jews. Uh, he, he did things deliberately, really, to, to, to uh, violate their laws and just for pure aggravation. He was not above killing people to get what he wanted. So he didn't like the Jews, and the Jews didn't like him. But suddenly we find where Pilate, the governor, was awakened to be called downstairs to make a very important decision, but not just any decision. I mean, this would be the most decision, the most important decision of his rule. It would turn out to be the most important decision of his life. This would be the most important decision of his life. Verse 22, Pilate said unto them, What shall I do with Jesus? which is called Christ. He had to deal with that question. So this morning, we're faced with that same question. We're faced with a decision. Now, there are many decisions that we experience we have to make in life, and we're faced with from time to time. We have to choose a, a career. We have to choose whether we'll get married or stay single or that we'll have children or that we'll go to college or we'll buy a house. We need to decide where we're going to live. Uh, a hard decision for many people is after they move, what church they're going to attend. Then a decision in latter years, are you going to retire? You're not going to retire? Or if you're a caregiver, all the decisions that come with being a caregiver and taking care of a senior parent or 
uh, a friend. We're all faced with decisions every day, many decisions. But the point is there's no decision that we'll ever be called on to make that will be as important as the decision that we make in regards to Jesus Christ. So there's a universal decision. It's important. It's important because, first, it's a decision that all must make. Now, Pilate had to decide if Jesus was who he said he was. You're going to have to decide that today. If Jesus is who he says he is. Pilate had to make that decision. Verse 11, notice, and Jesus stood before governor, and the governor asked him, Art, art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, Thou sayest, Are you the king of the Jews? Are you the Messiah? Are you the redeemer of Israel? Are you the one that's been sent by God? Now, it was the same decision that John the Baptist had to decide. He had to deal with. John the Baptist had been placed in prison because he preached against against the adulterous sin of, of Herod. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1, he heard what Christ was doing. John the Baptist had heard what Christ was doing, and he sent one of his followers to find Jesus. And he simply said, ask him if he is the Messiah, if he's the one that's sent from God, or should we expect someone else? So John the Baptist had to make a decision if Jesus was who he said he was. Go back and tell John, Jesus said, what you hear and see. And so John the Baptist had to decide to receive Jesus for who he was or to reject Jesus. Andrew, another one, found his brother Simon. He said, we found the Messiah. So they had to decide if Jesus was the Messiah or not. Nathaniel, in John 1, verse 49, went to Jesus and said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. He had to make a decision if Jesus was who he said he was. Nathaniel had to decide if Jesus was that Messiah. Now, the governor of Rome must make that same decision. Is Jesus who he says he is? Now, there's not a person on earth today or in the past that has not or will not be faced with that same decision. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. The reason it has to be made by all. It's a difficult decision because it's an agonizing decision. It's made by all, if you're taking notes. Secondly, it's a decision that's agonizing. I remember when I made the decision how agonizing it was. The word agonize means extreme physical or mental pain. All of us have experienced some form of being agonized. Brought to that physical or emotional pain. And Pilate was experiencing that. So the point is, we all know what it's like to not to be able to reach a decision. You agonize over decisions. Should I go to... Should I have this surgery? Should I not have this surgery? Or, uh, you know, do I, need to, do I need to buy this or do I not need to buy that? And so we, we know what it's, what it's like agonizing over a decision. 
you have a you have a governor agonizing over this decision about Jesus. So he agonized. Now what caused him to agonize? Well, number one, the crowd did. The crowd. The influence of the crowd. The crowd was shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate was like so many today, perhaps at work or perhaps at school, perhaps uh, in some club or hunting club or fishing club, you've always got the crowd that antagonizes you as a Christian. I know students deal with this all the time. Those who are anti-Christ, trying to influence you to oppose Christ, while you make the most important decision in your life where you're going to receive Christ. So Pilate agonized because of the influence of the crowd. Some of you are agonizing today, perhaps, of receiving Christ, rejecting Christ or receiving Christ, accepting Christ for who he is. People agonize because of crowds. They agonize because of a family member. What will my family say? What will my husband say? What will my wife say? What will my parents think? If I make this decision, what would the church think that I'm attending now if I make this decision? A lot of agonizing going on when you decide to accept Christ or to reject Christ. So the influence of the crowd, Pilate agonized. Secondly, Pilate agonized because of his own conscience. Look at verse 18. It wasn't hard to figure out. The Bible says, For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Deep down inside, Pilate knew that it wasn't that Jesus said he was king, but it was for other reasons that they wanted him crucified. He knew that it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him, and Pilate knew in his own mind that Jesus was who he said he was. The point is today, the person who rejected Jesus, or who rejects Christ, knows in your own mind that Jesus is who he says he is. That's settled. You know, uh, in your own mind that Jesus is the only way to the Father. You know in your own mind that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You know in your own mind that without Christ you won't go to heaven. You have that settled in your mind. So you agonize because of your conscience. And then he agonized, notice number three there in verse 19, he agonized because of his wife. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. And so his wife. One that loved him so much. You see, out of love and concern, she tried to help her husband to accept Christ for who he was. Out of this love and concern, she tried to help her husband make the right decision about Jesus Christ. And so today, some of you are agonizing because uh, you have loved ones that have counseled with you about you need to accept Christ. 
you have friends that will talk to you about you need to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. You have those that care for you, who have spoken to you about making the right decision in regards to Jesus. So some of you today are agonizing because of communication or prayers of your loved ones. They want to see you make a right decision concerning Jesus. So it's a decision that all must make. It's an agonizing decision caused by the crowd, caused by the conscious, caused by caring people. And then I'm going to close with this. It's a decision with eternal consequences. Look at verse 26. Then released, then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. But if you go up to verse 24, when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was being made, he took water and he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, see you to it. So he had Jesus flogged, and then prior to his decision, he symbolically cleansed himself from having a part of the death of Jesus. So he just walks over, and he takes a water basin, and he washes his hands, and he's saying, by doing that, I have no part of this whatsoever. But I'm going to tell you something. Pilate couldn't rid his sin with a basin of water. Uh, some people today try to use uh, perhaps not a basin of water, but they have a basin of good works, and they'll turn to those good works, and through those good works, trying to rid themselves of their sin of rejection of Christ, they think everything's going to be all right. If I just do good for people, and if I help people, let me wash in this basin of good works, and Christ will forgive me for rejecting doesn't work that way. It may be the basin of morality. If I live a good life, I can be forgiven of this sin of rejection. I don't have to accept him. I don't have to be a follower of his. I'll just wash my hands in this basin of morality, and God will forgive me of my sin of rejection. It doesn't work that way. It may be a basin of uh, church membership. That's what Lisa was experiencing in her life. If I could just be a member of the church and if I could just serve in the church and be real religious, then maybe Christ will forgive me of the sin of, of rejecting him and I'll just wash in the basin of religion and maybe he'll forgive me. It doesn't work that way. It may be the basin of religious ritual in regards to a baptism, uh, Lisa was baptized prior, but she knew deep down inside that was just a ritual she went through. And so some people today depend upon a ritual. Maybe if I just go through that, in the end, God will forgive me of my sin of rejection if I'll just go through the basin, wash my hands in the basin of ritual. doesn't work that way. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So don't think and don't be misled 
and think for one moment that a symbolic washing can cleanse you from your sins. There's a story told about Pilate. I've shared this perhaps before. That uh, years after this took place, that Pilate, there in his older years, would travel down the seashore and people would, people would see him dip his hand in the water and he'd wash his hands and they could hear him cry out, I can't get it off. I can't get it off. He still felt that he was guilty of sending Jesus to that cross. You know you're guilty and I'm guilty of doing that. And the only thing that will cleanse our hand, cleanse our heart, cleanse our spirit, is to ask Christ to forgive us and come into our life and save us and to receive him for who he really is. If you haven't done that, I hope you'll do that this morning. You can make a decision to accept Jesus. But if you're here and you've never done that, if you don't do that today, you're making the decision today to reject Jesus. And my prayer is that you'll receive him. It'll be an agonizing decision. It'll have eternal consequences. But everyone has to make it. And I pray that you'll make the right decision this morning. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Father, thank you for an opportunity we have just to open your word. Think about the most important decision we'll ever make in our life. Everyone will make it. I pray for every person here today. I pray for mamas and daddies and grandpas and grandmas and aunts and uncles and children of age. Father, I pray today that they would come to accept you for who you say you are. You're Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You're the Savior of the world. That they would come today and accept you for who you are, asking you to forgive them, come into their life and save them. Father, I pray you speak to hearts here today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord, that one day when we leave this walk of life, whenever that'll be, Lord, that we'll have a home with you forever and forever. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.